I see new life. I see new tides. Carry on through the years. Transform through the tears. Hello. Welcome to Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And we are going to talk about our guest, Nicole McCoy, who is a really good friend of mine and sister who told an amazing story about her healing journey. So we're going to discuss that and reflect on it and pull out some of the main nuggets that she talked about. My name is Nicole McCoy. I am a social worker by degree and an asset manager by trade. I am just another entity on this earth having a human experience. I try my best not to define too much about me because I am a perfectionist as I am discovering and it makes it really hard for me to give myself grace when I let myself down in who I believe I am in this moment. So I just kind of leave that door open for discovery, both for myself and for whomever I am introduced to. She is another entity on this earth, just having a human experience, which I thought was just so profound yet so simple because I've never heard someone say that so eloquently, but it's like an accurate depiction of what we're doing on this earth. We don't know what we're doing. We're just having a human experience, trying to figure it out every single day, every moment of the day. And just so like the conversation starting out was just already, she laid a great foundation. And I'm really excited to get into what we talked about. I think that often we are all just making shit up. (laughs) And when we pretend like we have it together. The truth is we we don't. We're all going through this human experience, this life, trying to make the best of it. So I really like that perspective. She's on this self-discovery journey. And a lot of times people feel like we do have to have it all together because biologically we're a certain age. But that is not the truth. And we have come to understand that we are still just like operating and figuring it all out. Like you said, like we're not perfect. We don't know what we're doing. We don't have the answers. Right. And we're just trying to make sense of everything and find the lessons in the journey. And so I can resonate 100 percent with this self-discovery journey that Nicole is on because I, too, am on that journey at the age of 32. Right. And this is my second time that I've gone on this self-discovery journey of figuring out like who am I what am I doing do I want to keep doing this is what I have going on still serving me and I believe asking ourselves those questions is really helpful in helping us to figure out you know do we need to change courses uh, for where we're headed and where we want to go like do we need to kind of do a check-in with ourselves the other thing that she said that I feel like we have a conversation about all the time was having grace with ourselves. For me, healing is really just about trying to be better than the last version of myself, right? Where the last version of myself might have had baggage, might have felt oppressed in certain areas in my life, 
might have not been very proud of actions I've taken or decisions I've made and really just learning to give myself grace and to practice compassion for myself as well as for others and just becoming better at that. It really is just about, I don't know, I hate using words like better or improvement or whatever, because it kind of says like we aren't perfect, but it's just like I'm perfect for where I am right now in my life. And should anything come up that creates a conflict for me, then I'm going to commit to working on that. So when we're on this healing journey and where we're discovering who we are in the present moment, being able to have grace with ourselves is so important because one of the things she says, she can be really down on herself because she is a perfectionist. But when you're discovering yourself, you can't be a perfectionist because we don't we don't know what we're doing. We don't know yet who we're becoming. And so we do have to have grace so that we can allow ourselves to be fully intentional and present in that moment in the becoming. I really resonate with the idea of giving yourself grace in the process and also the idea that healing is a journey of a lifetime. I'm 45, so I'm older than both of you. I am very much continuing on this journey of healing and self-discovery. And honestly, that's what growth is. As long as we are continuing to evaluate, to grow, to heal, to take steps forward, life continues to be forward moving. When we stop doing that and we just sit in the routines of life, life becomes less exciting, enjoyable. And the truth is, I love this concept of giving yourself grace because the healing journey is about falling forward. It's about moving forward, and often that begins with a fall, getting up and moving forward. And if you think about it falling forward and allow yourself to get up whenever things don't go the way that you expect them to go. That translates to allowing ourselves to just be, right? Just to be present on that journey and who we are becoming in the present moment. And so it's kind of a matter of us versus the idea of who we think we're supposed to be because of societal norms, because of family norms, because of a lot of external sources, right? And the healing journey, and hopefully the women who will be listening to this and who have been on the journey or on the journey will resonate with what I'm about to say is more of an internal you know, perspective. It is an internal experience because in order for us to heal, we have to start from the inside out. Healing is often about deconstructing what has been put on us by others, whether it's trauma, whether it's societal expectations, whether it's what we learned in school, whether it's what we were told we were supposed to be. And we believed we followed these patterns that were created for us by other people. And so that self-discovery starts with this process of saying, that's not me, that's somebody else. And then as you were saying, moving with curiosity towards what is it that I enjoy? What is it that I want to be? How do I want to show up in this human experience? Say that again for the people listening, because developing ourselves versus fixing ourselves, right? It's an interesting concept and and it is a very gracious concept, right? When we talked about giving ourselves grace, fixing ourselves we do have this mentality of wanting to fix ourselves to be better 
And so she also said she she really watches the words that she uses. So like improvement and better and things like that. But if we are allowing ourselves to grow into this next version of who we are, it's not about making ourselves better all the time. Right. Sometimes we do want to become better, but it's about trusting the journey, trusting the process and allowing ourselves to organically become who we were created to be in the first place. And so that person might look very different than the person that we are. So we then feel like we need to fix ourselves. But like when we allow ourselves to develop, that it's almost a more nurturing experience that we have with ourselves. And I do believe on this healing journey, we do have to be nurturing to ourselves because the world itself is not very nurturing. So when we are healing, we have to be nurturing to ourselves on this journey of healing because it's, as you know, Bridget, it is not always pretty. It is not, it does not always feel good. It can be dark, right? Because we're acknowledging things or we're learning things about ourselves and about things that may have happened to us in life that made us a certain way. So that notion of being nurturing to ourselves on top of being gracious and just developing into this next version of who we're supposed to become is so important. And be present and relinquish control, really, honestly, because like I feel like in order to develop, right, we somewhat have to be a little bit hands off <laughs> to do it in the moment, but yet intentional at the same time in developing that self-awareness too. So the self-awareness piece that she talked about as well in this self-discovery is something that I think is one of the most foundational things in the healing journey because it helps us to identify what works for us and what feels good and what doesn't so that we can make the necessary changes that we need to make in order to become a more healed version of ourselves. We are incapable of being objective of ourselves. And that means that we really cannot step outside of everything that's going on and everything that we are a part of and have an objective viewpoint or opinion of who we are and what we do and blah, 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 blah. We require feedback, right? And so, you know, like when you're sick, most of us don't self-diagnose, right? That would probably be dangerous, right? Um, so what happened with me was I experienced things physiologically. So I spent a very long time with stomach issues and I was just like always sick, always feeling just like sick. And I would go from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor, and none of them would find anything wrong with me. Some, of course, would be like, oh, you might need to lose some weight, right? But one doctor said to me, are you sure that whatever it is isn't in your head? And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's in my stomach. That's why I'm here, because I can actually feel it. And that's when he had a conversation with me about relayed pain. And how like whatever it is that we're experiencing emotionally can sometimes turn into a physiological experience. And so, you know, when I was in high school, I had didn't know that this is what it was at the time, but I had a nervous breakdown in math class in high school. Just felt like there was something in my chest and it just kind of creeped up into my throat and I just wanted to scream. But instead, I asked the uh, teacher for the pass so that I can go to the ladies room. 
And as soon as I hit the hallway, the tears started flowing uncontrollably. I was passing by an office. The counselor in the office saw me, pulled me over to the side. What's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I was freaking out. I had no idea. They had to lock me away, call my mom. They tried talking to me. I couldn't tell them anything. And then they told my mom, well, she cannot come back until she's been evaluated. And my mom took me shopping. (laughs) My sweet 16 birthday party was coming up. So she figured she'd take me shopping for outfits. Yeah. And then I didn't go to St. Vincent's Hospital in New York, the psychiatric evaluation place until like that following week. Because I think it happened on a Friday. So I didn't go until Monday. And my parents, you know, had me see this doctor. I still remember his name, Dr. Iacobello. And he wanted, he had so many questions and he was doing like all sorts of colorful therapeutic approaches. And when we got to the point that he wanted to see my parents, they were like, I am not about to sit in anybody's office so they can tell me I'm a bad parent. That is just not happening. And they sent me away to Pennsylvania to be with my sister for the summer. And that was the end of my experience. And I was just like, wow, here it is. I could finally like say what I've been wanting to say and in a controlled environment where I know they can't like throw me against a wall. And I mean that literally. And they're refusing. And so I just kind of let that go. And I think that has a lot to do with like the stigma of mental health in the Black community, right? And then my parents are Jamaican, so that's even worse, right? There's a stigma around those things. I... I'm keenly aware of the impact that I have on other people, only because I'm someone who growing up, I suffered a lot of the residue of hurt and trauma that my parents experienced. It's almost like it's my goal in life not to pass it on. Right. Breaking generational curses. Breaking generational curses and traumas. It's more than just a curse. It's drama, right? <laughs> like, and it can it, be deep-rooted sometimes. And, and then just the way it shows up, sometimes in the most subtle ways that you're not even aware of, right? And so it's not about like, I care about what everyone else thinks of me, but the people that I trust and that I love and that I am conscientious about building relationship with, I want to hear from them. Right. I want to hear how I'm showing up for them because there are still some traumas that I exhibit that I am not even aware of. The things that happened to her that made her realize that she needed to heal and that she needed to seek help. There was something that was not right. And one of the things that she said was in regard to the story was that she suffered a lot of residual hurts and trauma that her parents experienced. I'm like. Me too, right? Because a lot of times who we are as individuals has so much to do with how we were raised in our rearing, in our upbringing, who we were around and spent the most time with in our lives, which happens to be our family. And so there are a lot of things that we picked up from our families that impact us now. And it takes maturity And it takes some healing, like lived experiences to realize or recognize that there are things that we have to change that have become norms that we're comfortable with that no longer serve us. And so that is one of the beautiful things about this healing journey is that, yeah, it doesn't always feel good, but the insight that comes from it, oh my gosh, like 
you know, being able to really get to the root cause of some things is so important. And even though it hurts, you know, it kind of stings. Once you recognize it, you can make the necessary changes. Absolutely. Personally, I also have had a lot of trauma from childhood that I then repeated in adulthood and repeated with my children. So I can relate to how the healing journey can be very painful because realizing that I was repeating the patterns that were instilled in me as a child was really difficult to accept. For our listeners, I have an adult daughter who is living her best life with her husband. And I have had multiple conversations where I have said, I am really sorry that I showed up this way in your childhood. I'm doing better today. I have learned that those patterns didn't serve me and that they hurt you. And the truth is that that those patterns of trauma and toxicity, once broken, also need to be repaired. So part of the healing process is not simply moving forward and saying, I am going to show up differently in the world, but it is also saying, how did I impact the people in my life in ways that the version of me today would not? That's not easy. It's embarrassing. It's difficult. Realizing that you have caused pain to another person is a hard thing to accept. And with that also goes the grace of, I didn't know better at the time. I was repeating the patterns that were given to me. So it's this two-sided version of, yes, I'm going to give myself grace, and I'm also going to take accountability for the impact of what I caused. And that's when you say healing can be difficult and painful. That's exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely, Bridget. And thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story. Because, like, honestly, I don't have children yet. You know, I do want children uh, and and neither does Nicole. But that is something which you just said. We call that generational trauma and pain. Right. You know, when it passes from one generation to the next. And the thing that we talk about the most wanting children is breaking those generational curses. And so you're talking about that. You've acknowledged that you may have passed some of those on, but also took accountability to your actions at the same time, which is important. I think that's why we call them patterns. It's the repeating recurring conversations or the repeating responses, the expected behavior. I also think that there's this um, idea our families have of us, this image of us that isn't fluid. So it doesn't change as we change. This can happen in friendships and relationships, too. And we're on our growth journey we are not the person that we were a month ago or a year ago or two years ago. And with family who sees us as a sister or daughter or a mother or aunt or whatever role they have put us in, they have this expectation we're going to show up a certain way. So when we show up in a different way and we say, this is no longer serving me, this is how I would like to interact with you. Those boundaries can be perceived by the other as an attack. Because what do you mean? I have always been this way. You have always been fine with it. Why are things different now? It definitely is a process and it definitely is uncomfortable. And changing those patterns, whew, it's definitely a part of the healing journey for sure. 
<laughs> Absolutely. You're right. It takes a lot of time and it is a process. And so grace is going to be a consistent term that we use on this podcast. So going back to the notion of grace, right? And that's when we, knowing that we are on this journey, we are changing, we are growing, we are evolving and transforming. We too have to have grace with those who are used to the last version of ourselves because they don't know this new version. We don't even really fully know this new version. We're still getting acquainted with that person. But being able to have grace saves us really the arguments or the difficult conversations that we often have to have with like our family and our friends as we're changing. What I recognize is that everyone is in a different phase of this human experience of this journey. And not everyone is on a healing journey. And sometimes that becomes a conflict of interest if you are and they aren't and can't explain. And so what I've grown into, because this is just a place that you have to get to and it gets easier as you continue your journey, is that my explanation or my explaining myself to you is a benefit. And not everyone deserves that benefit especially if trying to do so results in my frustration because that is the antithesis of this journey that I'm on, right? Is not to be frustrated. So if there is someone in my life who is not on that journey and cannot understand when I say, I am on a journey and in a space where I am trying to focus on my healing or I am going through something very specific and I need to take time, if that is not something that registers for them, then that is just simply not something that registers for them. What I'm not going to do is browbeat them and force them to understand my plight because that's not their responsibility. Only I need to understand what my plight is, right? And I know that we're both in social workers. And so there is this I guess, like this universal, you know, selflessness that comes with being a social worker. But, you know, they're just now starting to preach self-care. And oftentimes we don't know how to operationalize that, right? And it means recognizing when someone can help themselves and when someone needs to seek resources elsewhere, right? It's recognizing when you don't have the bandwidth or the capacity or the resource that this person needs to get to where they need to go, right? And nine times out of 10, where they need to go is definitely out of my face. I love you, but you understand? Like that is the biggest boundary, right? It's not just the boundary around my likes and my dislikes and my comfortability and my this. It's really the boundary of, I don't have to explain myself to you. And if you cannot respect that, then that in and of itself is problematic. And it's going to be very difficult to set other types of boundaries. It was harder for my friends than it was with my family. It was, you know why? Because I kind of already didn't like my family, right? And that's just the reality of what you're going through, right? Like, I'm upset. I experienced some trauma at the hands of people who were supposed to be protecting me. I've experienced invalidation from the people who were supposed to care for me. I'm mad about that. And I need to sit in that. I need to sit in that. And when I am past it, 
then we can reconnect. And if they are then in a place where they will be receptive to whatever I have to offer or whatever I have to say about where I've been, then great. If not, I, in the meantime, have developed a different support system because we all need them that is there for me. You are part of my support system. When other things fail, it's like I'm not out here alone and there's still someone who cares about me, but not only that, are on the journey themselves and we can relate in that way. One of the misconceptions about healing is that you somehow become a pacifist. And I feel like in your healing, sometimes you have to be a warrior for yourself because a lot of the times, the things that bring you to a place where you need to be healed is that no one went to war for you. No one went to war for you. No one considered my well-being. No one worried about my emotional capacity. So it's like, if I don't do it, and I'm at the age where everything that I've experienced, I am responsible for now. So I am less likely to have someone or, and I would be crazy to expect someone else to go to war for me. Just because you were abused your whole life don't mean you get to go and hurt other people. So now you're at an age where you have to be responsible for that. And so, yeah, I know I'm not a pacifist. Sometimes I have to be very domineering and demanding about my peace and my boundaries. It is necessary because when you had the opportunity to go to war for me, it could have been my ride or die. You didn't. You didn't. And so now you on the outside of that and that's okay. And we going to work through it. And if blood is really thicker than water, you'll be there at the end and I'll be whole at the end. It is a privilege to explain our healing journey with people, and not everybody deserves it. But talking about something that Nicole said, again, she dropped so many, like, really amazing gems. That I was just like, oh, my gosh, let me take notes on that, too, you know, because I can totally resonate. But she said a term called relate pain. So relate pain is something that we're experiencing emotionally and mentally that can sometimes show up physiologically. Right. So what that really means is that we hold things in that happen to us. Right. You know, we have a negative experience. It could be with our family or friends in life. It can be with a partner. And when we don't deal with it, it shows up in our physical being. So it could be headaches and migraines. It could be stomach aches. It can be back pain. It could be weight gain. It could be hair loss. It could be so many things. And we think all of these physical things are happening to us and we're trying to figure it out. Maybe our doctor is like, I don't know what's going on with you. There's no real explanation for this. But this relayed pain that Nicole's therapist told her about is the reason. It's because a negative experience has happened and we either did not deal with it in the moment or because Maybe that is a norm in our family or friendships or relationships. We just write it off as something that happens all the time and not recognize it as something that we need to release. And so when she said that, I could definitely resonate because one of my words for last year and this year has been release. I didn't know that there were things that I had been holding on for so many years that having back pains, my back hurts, like literally feels like something is on me that I need to get this weighted blanket off of me and what it turns out 
is because I'm holding on to too much. Things that has happened to me, like trauma. And so when she said that, and now at this point, I know how to release. I'm in the practice of releasing. But before even me going back to therapy, right, I was holding on to things and didn't know it. And I wasn't being gracious with myself. Sometimes sharing the things that we're going through. And you know that, Bridget, like we talk about this all the time, which is why we're here today, right? Sharing is healing. It is caring for ourselves and others because sometimes we project. Think There are things that are going on with us that we may not be ready to talk about, but it is very much top of mind. And so then we project on people. So like this whole notion of sharing what's going on and releasing it is just like really important. And knowing how to recognize the trauma, even though it's laying dormant, but the way that it can show up in a physical way. And what do we do to release those things? So it was really enlightening having that conversation with Nicole. I think the way I came to awareness was my first expedition into therapy, really, right? Because I went to therapy trying to fix myself so that I could fit into my family, not recognizing, oh, this is a toxic situation. No one should be able to exist in this climate. No one should be able to exist in this environment. No one could possibly be happy. But I was just like, I am the odd man out. And no one appreciates when I say, ouch. And so something must be wrong with me. And of course, those are never the reasons why you're supposed to go to therapy. But if you don't know, you don't know. But I honestly went trying to fix myself so that I could fit into a situation that was not meant for me. Now, that's deep because like what happens is we get so comfortable creating these norms in our family dynamic, right, that actually have some negative effects. But because we're so comfortable with those norms and the routine, we never really take the time to acknowledge the ouches from those situations that happen almost all the time until you just like any time that you're away from that situation, the family dynamic could be friends or whatever else, and say like, I experienced these things that nobody acknowledges because it's such a norm for us. So when I say, ouch, you know, I don't want to have this conversation because based on precedence, I know where we're about to go and it's not going to feel good to me. Nobody can acknowledge that. And instead of them calling me emotional, they cannot say, "Okay, I agree with you. We don't want to go there because we understand what kind of effect that's going to have on all of us. Those are the moments that let us know that we need to put some boundaries in place. And I'll just say from my own experience. Family, friends, and people that are closest to you, they don't love boundaries (laughs) because they don't feel good to them. And it can be very difficult to coexist sometimes. I isolated for five years when I started my journey. Five Christmases, five birthdays, five Thanksgivings alone, completely alone. I saw Slumdog Millionaire by myself. And this is just to give you an idea of dates, right? I saw Dream Girls by myself. Those were releases that happened on Christmas. And I went to a cute little cafe in Brooklyn, drank wine and listened to this girl and her gay best friend commiserate about their families and how much they suck. And I was like, you know what? I'm past that point. Right now, I can just sit with my thoughts and be thankful for the peace. 
because I have finally quieted the noise and I have gotten past the point of it feels like the other shoe is about to drop. And I think it was through that work of recognizing that I am enough and recognizing that the things that happened to me as a child were not my fault and it has never been my responsibility to take care of adults and placing responsibility and accountability on who it belongs to and not carrying it for myself, I think that opens me up to fully discover like who I'm meant to be and where I'm meant to be and how I'm meant to process and what's my purpose and all of those things. And as you're like focused on what is my purpose, because I don't believe that I am here for all of my blessings to expire on me. I think that opens up an avenue for not only self-discovery, but also people discovery, right? Because now you need to formulate a new support system because the one that you were raised in or that you have isn't working for you. There is a conflict of interest there. The object of our hurt cannot also be the object of our healing. You all were the reason why I need to heal. So you cannot be the object that also heals me. And when she said that, I was like, wow, that is so interesting that you say that because people don't know that they are the ones that cause this pain, but they do want to also help because they see us in pain. And so how do we have a conversation with them about not needing their assistance without it becoming a negative thing or something about them? And so that was kind of like the conversation that her and I were having is how do we have those difficult conversations with people who have caused us pain that are still in our lives, that we are trying to learn how to set boundaries and still coexist with them. It's very difficult to do. And so sometimes it just means that we don't say anything at all or we just have to kind of like take some time from those people. And so I had to really let that marinate when she said it. Because I have found myself in situations like that as well. And so what people will do is they'll say things like, you've heard them, you've changed or you're being different. Or my favorite, not really, is you think you're better. And that is something that for the listeners, you may experience. And to Nicole's point, it's okay not to have to explain yourself to those people at the same time. Because... Talking about our healing journey is a privilege and explaining it to people who have been the ones who have caused certain pains and trauma, it's not necessarily required in a conversation for us to tell them like what's really going on with us. Personally, having experienced abusive relationships, so maybe a little bit more to the extreme, that wording those who cause the pain cannot heal the pain is really impactful because what happens in abusive cycles, whether it's family or, or romantic relationships, is that the hurt happens, an apology is received, there's a time of what they call like the honeymoon where things are good again and then it repeats itself. And the cycle goes around and around and around again, usually getting worse and worse with each round. And the only way to break that cycle is to step out of it. Now, again, it doesn't have to be stepping out of it forever, but the only way to really break that cycle and learn to set your own boundaries and to hold the other person accountable to those boundaries is to step out of the cycle, 
within the cycle, that person wanting to quote unquote change or wanting to be different, wanting to show up differently has to be genuine and it has to come from a place within on their part as well as your part. And it definitely is not easy to navigate. It's a challenge. Yeah, it is. And to that point, one of the other things that Nicole said that I felt like is such a great quote is that she said, I'm not going to browbeat people in my life to understand my plight because that's not their responsibility. And I need to understand my own plight. Right. So me having to understand why I am setting these boundaries and fleeting from this situation, it is not your responsibility. I'm the only one that has to understand it. And so sometimes I often say that, you know, healing is a catch-22. It's wonderful for us to an extent because we're growing and transforming and evolving, but it's obnoxious to the people that are around us because it really does require us to have a level of isolation. I decide before going in what my limit will be. I'll say yes. I might even know what to expect. You come to a point, right? Because there are just nuances. So someone offers an invitation. It depends on who's offering the invitation, right? That makes me say yes or no. If it's queen messiness, hail to the naw. If it's someone that you vibe well with, but you don't know about their people, so you don't know what to expect and you say yes, then you know what your limits are. I am the queen of goodbye. I don't mind it. Last time I did that, I was accused of throwing a temper tantrum. And it wasn't even a temper tantrum, but that just kind of tells you how toxicity works. It was dumb. People were doing crazy stuff. I said, okay, you know what? You guys go ahead and do this without me. Have a great day. I'm gone. And I walked away. Later, I get a phone call. You threw a whole temper tantrum. For leaving an otherwise ridiculous situation, you know what made it a temper tantrum? How fast I moved to get out of there. Expeditiously. Expeditiously. <laughs> I moved so fast. Like, I think I didn't even finish my sentence before I hit the door. <laughs> so you fear you're missing out on a good time. But if you have ever been a person existing in toxic environments around toxic people, whether that's family or friends or whatever, when you think back to all the good, supposed good times you had with them, what do you remember? The infighting, the backbiting, the arguments, the resentments, the stuff that comes up and you're like, oh, that's what you're missing. That is what you're missing. You've never actually experienced the good time. So you're fearing missing out on more toxicity. You are worth taking the time. You are allowed to step outside of whatever is hurting you. You have permission to take whatever time you need, regardless of whether people say that you are being quote unquote selfish or that you're changing or the quote unquote, do you think you're better? No, you deserve your own time. It seems like such a self-explanatory thing, but how many, especially women, how many of us make everyone else important in our lives? And the idea that I need time for me is like number 97 on the list of 100 things to do. No, it should be number one or maybe number two, but make you, you only have you, that's all you really have, make you and your healing worth it. I agree. 
we are all worth the healing journey and the process and being able to relinquish the need to explain ourselves and then also caring about what other people think of us. We have to be able to relinquish that, that need, because when you're healing and you are choosing you and you are demanding your peace for yourself, we have to be able to be okay with understanding that for a time while we're on this journey, things with other people are maybe not going to be at 100%, but things with ourselves, they're going to be beyond 100% because we have taken the time to invest in ourselves and make ourselves a priority. And so we oftentimes say this all the time, we cannot pour from an empty cup. And I have recently coined the saying, we cannot be anything to anyone else if we are nothing for ourselves. And so it starts with us. It starts with being able to be in tune with our bodies, with our minds, our souls, and our spirits. So that when our bodies and all of those things speak to us, we can hear it and make the necessary actions to improve it or to become better or to do the work that is very necessary for us to be well. So ladies, thank you for joining us today for this conversation about healing. We hope that we will be able to bring a lot of tools and practices and tips to you to help you on your journey of healing. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to sitting with you again in two weeks with a, another amazing human and Kiana and I chatting about what we have learned. I see I see new tides carry on through the years, transform through the tears, the audacity of you going through it all, the audacity of you trusting self all along. I see new life, I see new 